Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. We are ex-Mormon Christians united for Jesus, www.unveilingmormonism.com. My name is Lynn Wilder. And I'm Michael Wilder. And we are in part two of Brad Steckelberg. Um, Brad grew up giving his life to Jesus in a little neighborhood Bible club when he was in elementary school. At 14, ended up going to uh, an event on campus, preparing him then to become part of these Bible club teachings. And Brad was sexually abused by his roommate several years older while he was at this Christian camp. Brad now is in college in his story, and he's struggling with some things. Um, Although you went to a Christian college, Brad, welcome back. Thank you. It's it's really great to be able to share my testimony here. And um, yes, I, I was. I left uh, home to go to a Christian college um, right after high school. And um, this was the uh, early 90s. And I should mention, uh, just so I don't forget later, it was during this time I had mentioned the last time we spoke about how I saw um, and knew that God was working in my mom's life um, when she had uh, been saved and she uh, miraculously quit smoking without any even effort. And um, there was a second instance of God really working in her life in a way that um, was really easy to identify in the early 90s. And that was um, she had been adopted as a child and um we were friends with another family in our church and um, she had found out um, that this other family, it was uh, the the mother of the family was actually her birth mother. (laughs) And um, they didn't, neither of them had any clue to this. And it was like, God had just put them together at just the right moment. And, um, and at the right time. And it was a a beautiful story. And it was one that many years later, she actually wrote it out in a, in a book that I'll, I'll mention later, the name of the book is she gave me caramel apples, but um, it it was really an amazing thing that was happening um, in our family's life. And, and it was really bizarre uh, growing up an only child of an only child to now have like, dozens of relatives that are close relatives and whatnot but uh it was beautiful to see um god's work unfolding just just that um that knowing that he cares for some of the details in life and i i wish i had some of the maturity that i gained later in life back then to be able to really see what was happening behind the curtain, so to say. But um, I was a teenager, and um, I was also reeling from this this hurt and this brokenness that I had about what had happened, you know, with that sexual assault, and um, trying my best to just sort of do 
do what is in front of me and and um, didn't really have a lot of tools, but I did go to a Christian college. And during that time, that's when I had talked with a professor about, it was the first time that I had shared anything about my my sexual abuse. And um, he had given me a, a little affirmation card to read and sort of patted me on my head and sent me on my way and said that um, it sounds like I had dealt with it in my life and good luck, you know, and and that's mm-hmm. about all I got for any kind of like uh, counseling. And I didn't, and I didn't seek any more counseling after that um, when I was in college. Um, so what ended up happening for me was um, it was, again, I, I kind of had two thoughts. I, you know, one thought was um, I, I saw my relationship with Jesus as a beautiful thing. And, um, and you know, I, I felt lucky to be at a Christian college and all of that. But on the other hand, I had this brokenness inside of me and I was looking for a way to be healed there. And um, I did find, even when I was going to the Christian college, I found places that um, offer um, some kind of solution for people who are sexually broken. And um, I had fallen into some sinful areas during that time, and they were very secret, and they were very, like, uh, things that I wouldn't share to with anyone because, you know, I would get in trouble if people knew that I was, um, you know, going the way of the world when it comes to sexuality, and yet I was having a hard time because I didn't feel like I could go to anyone either to really get some kind of um, healing here, um, and after... Um, going to that school for a couple years um, and not having any resolution about the other thing that I, I um, would struggle with was the doctrinal um, issue of, am I saved? Am I not saved? So here I am, a human that's doing sinful things. Am I all of a sudden not saved now? Um, or does God's <laughs> grace reach me still? That That is a interesting thing about understanding from a uh, doctrinal standpoint when people start thinking well you know i'm i go to church every sunday and i am so righteous and holy and you know these other people they're they're doing these sins and they kind of look down on people and there's and there's a part of the christian church that's like that you know they're just they're very very prideful and what I always want to ask people like that, who are very arrogant, to say, okay, so that person's sin over there will cause him to lose his salvation. But the sins that you do, I mean, you don't do major sins, but you still do a sin. You're okay. You're still covered. So you're covered by Jesus' grace, but that person's not covered by Jesus' grace. And that that's an amazing concept that you know Christians really need to to, to work out and understand, and you know the, the scriptures are so so straightforward about this that once you come under His grace, yeah, we will stumble, we will fall, but He's always there to carry us because we still have human nature, even though we are born again. Our spirit is born again, but our flesh is weak, and Paul talks about this 
during his whole ministry how how he you know he's he's a wretched man you know he he he, he he's not worthy and then but he says but his grace is you know my grace is sufficient for you so when you stumble don't cry or or say well i'm going to leave you i'm not going to leave you okay that's like a, an earthly father would say to his child well if you can't keep up with me i'm just going to leave you behind well an earthly father if the child falls down will pick him up and carry him through the desert it's just what dads do and that's what moms do and that's what our heavenly father does so so that's a great point that you're you're bringing out there that you know, uh, a lot of Christians have trouble with. They just kind of give up that, well, I can't, I can't live the commandments. You know, I can't, I can't live up to the standards that they want me to do at this particular church. And this is extremely true in the LDS church. And people just give up and say, well, I'll never be able to live in a celestial kingdom with my, my parents or my, my eternal family. I'm just going to be at the lower kingdom and I have to accept that. And just that's the way it is. And that's so sad to think of that, you know, we, you know, and it's a, it's an amazing concept that Brad is bringing up here that, you know, you have this battle in yourself that, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having problems here. Does Jesus really forgive me? Am I truly saved? And I always want to tell people in the scriptures, once you're saved, you know, I think Lynn mentioned it maybe on the previous broadcast. once you're in his hand, he will not let you go. And that's the beauty of the gospel. Uh, you cannot fall from grace. Now, I know some Christians believe you can, but I believe once you're truly saved, you are always saved and you it is a done deal. And what's one of your favorite verses, Lynn? John 5, 24. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment. Why? Because you're judged at the point of faith, right? Mm -hmm. Judged already, and you cross over from death yeah. to life. Another, another issue, I think, especially having been in the LDS church, is they always put sins in a hierarchy, right? There were sins that were worse than other sins. No, the Bible's pretty clear. One sin separates you from God, and thinking something can be like murdering someone. And so um, it, it it's unfair to say this sin is worse than this sin and this person is more condemned than this person for mm -hmm. this sin. Yeah. So, so here you are in college struggling with these things with no resolution at the time, right? Yeah, and I was it, just just going to share one of the scriptures that bothered me so much when I was um, still there was First John one seven. It says, and I always saw it as like an if then statement: if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, um, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So I was uh, under the assumption that, oh, if I'm not walking in the light. It means like as soon mm -hmm. as I, you know, do something sinful, but I didn't, I never really read that in context until many years later, where just like the very next paragraph, it says, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, like everyone, right, <laughs> we right. have an advocate with the father Jesus Christ, the righteous, he's the propitiation for our sins, not for only ours, but for the whole world. And um, 
but I didn't get that nuance. I didn't get that. I just thought, oh, if then, like, so now I'm, I, I'm, I've got this side of me that's trying to find healing and I'm finding it in all the wrong, the wrong places. Um, I must be in darkness. I must not be walking in the light. And, um, so I left that college and I went to a state school and kind of that pendulum swung to the other side, the try hard, give up pendulum. You know, I tried really hard for a long time to, you know, quote unquote, please God. And now I'm just going to give up. And that's where for, um, I, I started to, even though sometimes I would sort of make an appearance at churches or whatever most of the time I was just kind of doing my own thing and I would um you know at that point I was wondering if I was gay and I would sort of find those other people in that community and um see where I was in agreement with them and then it was also at that point that I had started to um drink more heavily and um i had several times where i was a binge uh drinker and just not really in a great headspace overall but also just not trusting um you know god for anything i, I was trusting myself putting that whole trust in in my own whatever the best idea in my own head was gonna be that's what i was gonna try next you know Oh, okay. Where, where then? How long were you in this lifestyle? Well, I'd say for about 10 years, um, I would be in one sort of um, end or the other overall. I, um, in the middle of all of that, though, so I didn't, I ended up not finishing school uh, at that second school. Um, I thought I had gotten a call from that same organization that I used to volunteer mm -hmm. for, for children's ministry. And they says, we were looking for a missionary director for um, your area that you, you know, that you grew up in. Would you consider doing it? And I thought this must be the sign that I was looking for from God okay, I'll do it. But the, and so what the deal was is that I, I ended up moving with this ministry position and um, I really lacked any kind of discipleship and um, it, with me being in a new um, town where I didn't really know anyone, I very quickly fell for temptations and it, it caught up with me so much faster than I ever realized it could. And um, I, you know, was honest with my ministry um, board that had hired me and uh, re resigned that position uh, less than a year after starting it. And um, so that's when I was really like, okay, I, I was back on the try hard part of the pendulum and then I gave up again. And so I'd say for that 10 year period, I'd be one end or the other. And um, I would, I would um, sing in worship bands or I'd volunteer for different ministries and then I'd give up. And then um, I'd say what really kind of got me out of that funk um, was because of my drinking, I was sent to a, um, a, uh, 
facility and um, someone had suggested to me, because I was kind of bitter at that point, anything that had to do with spirituality. And uh, they says, why don't you just go out and feed the birds? They had some popcorn and feed the birds in the morning. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. That's early when the sun gets, you know, rises so <laughs> early. And um, but the next morning I happened to wake up before my alarm and it was right before sunrise. And I'm like, doggone it, I guess <laughs> I'm going to go feed the birds. And, and then I found that I was feeding the birds every morning and um Sometime during that month that I was there, I really was amazed at creation. I was amazed that God, that there was a hand. And today I, I realize it's it's that God or is the best orchestrator of anything that's out there in nature. Um, the sun just rises. It doesn't need to do anything weird to rise. It just does. God created it that way. This kind of bird acts this way, and this kind of bird acts this way, and mama birds help with their baby birds. And all the things that I was I was observing throughout that short period of time in the morning really um, solidified in me that, okay, there's a scripture that I remember hearing as a child you know, look at the lilies of the field, look at the sparrows and, you know, doesn't, doesn't God have um, the same kind of care for us or even greater? Um, because look at these, you know, they don't worry and they, and they're still out there and they're still um, being cared for and stuff. So that really helped me to sort of nudge along the idea that spirituality, and I was more like generally speaking, spirituality was a good thing. And then eventually I started searching out like churches and I'd go to some churches and and would would like some of it and wouldn't like others. And I, I really kind of, even though I was part of some worship bands for a while, I really kind of grew to dislike a lot of the contemporary music that are in some churches and some of the um, the atmosphere of putting on a show versus, you know, what, what do you really get when you go to a church service and stuff. And I was really just not even sure where I wanted to be, but I knew that I wanted to grow spiritually and and I also had this lifetime of experiences understanding that yeah I accepted Jesus into my life and I know that was real but I just really don't know where I can go to to get more um more of that discipleship more of understanding how to pray understanding how to read the bible for myself all of that i was really thirsty for all of that and um well, and so that's what i was doing just kind of going and trying to find it you know what it sounds like to me is you believed in god you knew he was real but the peace and and correct me if I'm wrong here, the piece that was missing from your life was the idea that God loved you unconditionally and that he was there for you and that he would make all these things right or that he could um, bring healing into your life. And it wasn't something that you had to do and then offer him necessarily, that the Holy Spirit if allowed, could help with these things. 
Yeah, I think deep down that's very true that that's what I was searching for, but I just maybe didn't know that's what I was searching for quite yet. (laughs) Um, Right. You know, I I just knew that because I had received um, healing in my in my own life for addiction um, and that I knew that as long as I um, was open to the idea of, of inviting, um, inviting the Lord into my day, that I always had such a better chance of getting through that day without the mm. temptations bothering me and without, you know, without, and, and the opposite was me and my best ideas. And I never really got very far with my best ideas. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of where I was for a long time was like, okay, well, and, and that's okay for me. You know, for me, that was like, I can live in this space, but I also know that I want to grow. I want to know my my God better. You know. Was there any uh, good father figure in your life, a good male mentor or even a Christian male mentor? There have been um, some that um, I didn't recognize as being good um, mentors until much later. I'm thinking of my stepdad when my mom remarried. Um, I didn't get along with him. Um, I was a t- teenager when they when they married, and I was kind of moody and. Um, I also worked for him, which which brought a, another layer uh, into things. But then later in life, I, I realized just how, how wonderful of a man he was for my mom. And that opened the door for me to say, oh, I should maybe give him a chance, you know, to um, or listen to him. He might actually have some good advice on things. Um, but then there were, you know, I had a youth pastor. Um, I didn't have anyone that was like daily in my life until, of course, until my mom remarried and stuff. But I did have some some uh, people throughout my life that, you know, may have been a pastor for a while or a youth pastor or something like that. I, I no, just it's, know it's in my... Yeah, it, it's interesting listening to your story, how, you know, you... you, you you're kind of rejecting God, but then you keep calling back. And it's like, Jesus is just won't leave you alone, right? It's just like, it just reminds me of that picture with, with him knocking on the door that he's always there. You know, he's using all these unique situations. And, you know, as you, as we, and, and this is for all of our situations, as we start to follow sin in a different direction, we hear this tap, 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 and we turn around. Oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a good feeling. I, I, You know, when I think of Jesus, when I think I really do feel good, and then we get drawn out again, but but it's 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 an amazing story that we all go through our whole life, but he never leaves us. That's the neat thing about it. Once we're there, he's still always tapping, mm-hmm. you know, always saying, okay, I'm here. Just come to me, mm-hmm. and and I can help. And it's just like, you know, you, but, but you can never get to that situation that you have so much sin in you that you give up. You know, that's, that's, that's what Satan wants. There's so much sin in you that, that, you know, you can't do it. And, and then you look at all these other people and say, oh my gosh, you're so perfect. They're just the perfect Christian. And this reminds me of a verse here uh, in, in first John chapter one, verse 10. And this is John speaking. He says, 
if we say that we have not sinned, now we all know men and women who have said that, said that basically, especially being from the LDS church. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. When we say we are not sin, when we say we are worthy to enter the house of the Lord, when we say that we have followed all the commandments to enter into the, the covenant of the temple, he says that, that makes him a liar and his word's not with us. And so so the, the key thing is that we're sin, that's part of it, and God's grace is always there to help us. So we're down to our last two minutes, and I, and I have one question that's going to set us up, I think, for next time. You end up encountering the LDS missionaries at some point. Did you have the feeling that a religion that had all these rules and regulations could somehow help keep that sin at bay? I didn't know about the rules and regulations when I first <laughs> met the missionaries. <laughs> there you go. So well, that was a, that would be a no, <laughs> not, not, not at first. <laughs> so. so tell us about meeting the missionaries when that happened. <laughs> well, I was, um, you know, I had moved. I'd gotten a new job and I moved to a new town, and I was. I was praying about which church to attend and every Sunday I'd wake up and, and, you know, figure, try to figure out where to go. And then I end up not going anywhere. <laughs> and, um, the, that's, I got a, a knock on the door one day and, um, it was the missionaries and, um, they thought that, uh, um, well, they had come to my apartment before when someone else lived there and they had mm -hmm. asked if she was home. And I said, I don't know who that is. <laughs> and they says, well, have you ever heard of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? I says, oh, well, yes, I have. I, you know, I've actually ran into missionaries in, in the past and I'd actually been to a visitor center at um, Winter Quarters, actually, um, mm -hmm. because I kept passing it whenever I'd go through Omaha. And they they lit up and the, they asked if they could come in and I says, well, I don't have anywhere for you to sit, so why don't you come back Friday? <laughs> okay, I I think this is leading us in now to yep. the next so next that's... part next Friday. Okay, perfect. Yep. And Brad has now encountered the LDS missionaries. So in part three, we'll find out if Brad ends up joining the LDS Church or not and how things change in his life. Grace and peace to you, friends. Until next time.